Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So today we have a nice relaxing topic. I feel like uh, maybe a good number of our episodes recently have been pretty heavy as far as just like theological content, you know, talking about uh, Basil's social justice, talking about the atonement recently, um, you know, interviews with Gavin Ortland. Um, so we thought it'd be fun to, to break away from some of that and talk about something that we both love. Uh, and, and that's books. Lucas and I both love to read. We have lots of books. Uh, we sometimes even will get each other books and be like, yo, you got to read this. And then we don't end up reading them. Um, <laughs> uh, but you no, know, in all seriousness, we love books. We've, we've had episodes where we've talked about books. We've done like five books every Christian should read and we each picked five books. I think we've maybe even done an episode like this where we talk about like what we're currently reading. Uh, but the nice thing is we're always reading. It's been a long enough time since our last one where it doesn't feel like repetitive. So that's what you're getting today. A conversation about books. If you love books, if you want book recommendations, you've come to the right spot. So without any further ado, let's start. I think what we'll do is go like Lucas Jens, Lucas Jens um, until the end. So Lucas, why don't you share the first book that you're currently reading? Yeah, so I am in school currently. So I've been reading a lot of different things um, that I have to read <laughs> in addition to the things that I have picked up in the quote unquote free time that I kind of create for myself by procrastinating on the other things I need to do. Um, but one of the books that I'm reading for school that has been um, really, really fantastic. And I, I was I was excited when I saw that we were reading it because I've heard that this author is well worth reading. He's a very well known author, but what he's very well known for, I'm not a he personal huge fan of. Um, but I've always heard that his other books are just like, really insightful, really helpful, really edifying and, and really great. Um, and so far, I mean, we're kind of reading it in the class a little bit out of order, like a section here, a section there jumping around. So I'm not I'm not reading like straight through, um, at least not, not exactly straight through. Um, but I kind of want to go back and, and, you know, maybe in a year or, or two, just have this be one of those books I come back to. And that is Eugene Peterson, the pastor which is a, a memoir. It's called The Pastor, A Memoir. Um, and I have never read anything from Eugene Peterson except for occasionally looking at the message. And I've never been a fan of the message. It doesn't really do it for me, but that's <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. That's yeah. fine. Um, so this came out in 2011. Um, I can't remember when he passed away, but it was um, recently, so this is like pretty- the last couple of years. Yeah, that's what I thought. So this is like, this is like definitely, you know, he's had a long life of, of really incredible ministry. And as I've learned, really amazing life experiences um, to reflect on, which he does in, in this book. And it's just, so, so the class I'm reading it for is pastoral theology. So mm -hmm. if that gives you an idea of kind of the content or, or the approach that Eugene Peterson is taking in this memoir, as he's, as he's recalling different events from his childhood from from his his uh 
education years, you know, his early years of marriage, his early years of ministry, um, his family, you know, all of these things, his relationship with God and how his faith has developed and, and changed and all these things. Um, it, it has a very, um, it, I don't actually know if, if this was on purpose, but, but it, it's almost like he's speaking to pastors or to those who um, maybe want to be pastors or will be pastors. Like as he's telling his story, he's, he's tracing this, this theme of being a pastor, this vocation that um, I didn't know before reading this, but that he kind of fell into, didn't necessarily, wasn't something he thought he wanted to do. But what, I, what I've always heard, I, I can now confirm, he is a fantastic writer. Um, it's really enjoyable to read. It's really, it's really engaging to read. So I would highly recommend everybody. I know I just kind of made it sound like it's written for pastors. It's not. It just, it just kind of feels that way. And I think part of that is because I'm then going to a class where we're discussing it from the perspective of right. people who are pastors and are preparing to be pastors and that kind of thing. But um, that, that's not to say that it's limited to people in pastoral ministry that would benefit from this. Um, particularly if you don't know anything about Eugene Peterson or, or like me, you've never read anything by him. I feel like this is a really great, you know, like I feel like I'm getting to know him really well and mm. he's well worth getting to know, <laughs> I would say in my opinion. So that's, like I said, it's called the pastor. It's by Eugene Peterson. That's Very cool. That's uh, a really cool one that that's definitely outside of my typical, as we'll see with my a couple other ones. Um, <laughs> sure. It's definitely outside of, of my just like, the kind, like I don't typically read biographies or memoirs very often. Interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that this was assigned because otherwise I don't know if I ever would have gotten around to it. And it's highly, highly recommend that, that everybody gets around to it. So that's, well, that's, that's my great. first one. Yeah. And I think that knowing that he has recently passed away, that now means he is a candidate for our Christian of history. And it sounds like you're learning quite That's a bit true. about this man. So perhaps we have That's a true. forthcoming Christians <laughs> of History episode in the works. Who knows? Um, but it's interesting that you started with a memoir or an autobiography uh, because the book that I was going to start with also falls into that category. I just, I want to see, so I, we forgot to say at the outset, we have not shared any of these books with each other just out of like the fun of it. Um, so do you have any guesses to what autobiography I'm reading? Throw out your wildest guess. Oh man, I have no idea. I, my wildest guess would be, I forget the name of it. Moody put it out a couple years ago. Charles Spurgeon's wife's autobiography, I think. That is a maybe good that was guess. just a biography. No, that was a biography. That is a good guess. I, I did read that on Susanna Spurgeon. Oh, okay. Susanna, um, it's, it's, uh, this is Surprised by Joy by C.S. Lewis, oh, um, nice. which has come up. Speaking of Christians of history, we can't do C.S. Lewis because we've already done his life. Um, but on that episode, you brought up, like, I think I was the one that did the, like, the presentation of, of Clive Staples. Uh, but then you were like, oh, like, you know, that like, his wife, you know, was joy. And that was surprised by joy, a little pun there. Um, but I, I have not, I'm uh, maybe like, th a third of the way through the book, maybe a quarter of the way th through the book. Um, but like, Oh man, it is so good. Like it's crazy. Normally I'm not, I, I guess I should say I do read some biographical books. I very infrequently read autobiographical where someone's, you know, writing about themselves, not because I don't like that. It just, I, I've never really, I think most of the people that I've read books about, like they lived too long ago that like, I want to read a modern like telling of their life. Um, but like for CS Lewis, you know, he lived in my family's lifetime. 
Um, I'm trying to find it here. I even highlighted one little bit, which is weird of me to do in a, a biography. Um, but there was just this line in here in one of his one of his chapters. Um, let's see. Um, he, he's talking about like his mother's death and how he might regard that his regard that as like his first religious experience. Um, and he's just sort of like talking about how he approached God or like his idea of God without love, without awe, even without fear. Um, he says, and this is where I'll start quoting. He was in my mental picture of this miracle to appear neither as savior nor as judge, but merely as a magician. And when he had done what was required of him, I supposed that he would simply, well, go away. It never crossed my mind that the tremendous contact which I solicited should have any consequences beyond restoring the status quo. And like, as I read that, I like, I almost got goosebumps just thinking about, um, I think that's so many people out in the world, right? So many people want to have some sort of contact with God. They don't want it to be anything beyond restoring the status quo. Um, you know, whether that means, you know, heal my sick aunt or get me this job or whatever it might be that someone is petitioning for. Um, but to have this tremendous dramatic encounter with the divine creator of the cosmos, um, we're not talking about some genie in a bottle. Um, and so I was really, again, in, in reading autobiographical works, it's just cool seeing like, obviously he's a Christian when he wrote this, but to like, look back at your life to evaluate the things that you did, why you did them, how you did them. Um, it's a fascinating thing. Like I almost feel like most people should write something autobiographical and not just here's what happened as like facts of history, but like interpretation and, um, you know, really drawing out the implications, the, the ways that even the smallest of decisions like had consequential large impact. Um, but yeah, again, I haven't finished it. Um, I've really enjoyed the, the the first chunk that I've read here. Um, a lot of things just to, to, you know, some of it is just like facts of his life, but it's, it's really interesting seeing how he weaves in those um, interpretive bits. So that was my first one, Surprised by Joy, C.S. Lewis. Um, I will add the caveat, like I love Lewis so much. I also am reading this along with the screw tape letters. Um, which I've read like three or four times, but I just like really enjoy reading it. And I try to take something new from it every time because it's such a poignant book. So that's, that's my, my first part, my first book and a half. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, my second one will be kind of short. Um, I just started this like yesterday. Um, I had a meeting with a professor at, at uh, my, my uh, institution of higher learning and he was incredibly generous to actually give me a couple books. And um, so this is, as you can all not see, because we don't share the video. Um, this is Martin Chemnitz's Loki Theologici, if I pronounce the Latin correctly, um, which basically translates to something like theological, like topics, something like that. Um, and so Martin Chemnitz is a sort of second generation-ish uh, Lutheran reformer. And he is, um, he is one who I have been interested in reading for a long time. And really just the, the whole, the Lutheran tradition besides Luther, I feel like has, is something of a, um, of a, 
blind spot, like, like just something I'm unaware of. It's not something that I think outside of Lutheran circles, names like Chemnitz and Melanchthon are, maybe they're known in like a historical sense, like, you know, we know that Melanchthon was Luther's sort of right-hand man or whatever, but have we ever read anything by Melanchthon? Have we ever read anything by Chemnitz? That kind of thing. Um, and I, I've been, uh, mostly thanks to exposure to, I've mentioned him a few times, but Dr. Jordan Cooper with the Justin Sinner podcast has really sort of opened my eyes to the Lutheran tradition, not just Luther and the Lutheran Reformation, but the, but the actual whole theological and, and church tradition coming out of um, Luther's Reformation specifically, and uh, the values that, or the valuable things that they have to offer writers like Martin Chemnitz. So um, I haven't even really got into it. I, I'm just reading sort of the, the introductory stuff, and I, I'm really excited, really grateful to have like a physical copy given to me. I even get the little pencil notes that this professor wrote in so to glean some extra wisdom as to what's important. Um, but but yeah, so that's that's Martin Chemnitz. I don't have much to say about it because I just started it, but I'm really excited about it. And I just think it's cool to highlight because it's it's uh, it might not be easy to find, at least physically, I'm not sure. Um, and it might be expensive, I'm also not sure. But um, if you're interested, in something a little off the beaten path, off the beaten path theologically, um, I think Martin Chemnitz Loki Theologici is is, uh, is certainly an option. <laughs> it's, it's one I'm excited to get more into. So yeah, that's my second one. Nice, very cool. Yeah, that's one I've never even really heard of, um, but I'm sure it's very fascinating. Uh, one thing I forgot to add as a caveat at the beginning, um, I have to confess that this year I have not read nearly as many like physical books as I typically do. And that is due in large part to like the sheer volume of comics that I've read. So like this year I got into, um, I, I got both the DC and the Marvel subscription service where you can read them like on phones and tablets. And you literally have like unending access to like the vast majority of those, you know, comic groups catalogs. So I've, you know, I've read, I've read, I mean, if you look at my, um, my Goodreads, I keep track of it on there. I've read something like 250 comic books, like into, I mean, you know, 25 pages or whatever, but it really adds up. So I, I had a hard time, um, like narrowing down, like which books I wanted to talk about on this episode, because some of them I've highlighted before, like Simply Trinity, uh, we highlighted, um, you know, uh, Anselm's Pursuit of Joy, um, we've highlighted like the um, Sam Renahan book on the descent of Christ to the dead. Uh, so the, the the second book that I've landed on here, I finished it maybe like a month ago, um, but it was a really good book. It's one that I know is a little bit controversial, but I think it's one that everybody should read regardless of that fact. Um, it's called The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. Um, perhaps you've heard of it. It came out, I believe, in April or May. Um but it's the subtitle is how the subjugation of women became gospel truth. Um, and so in this book, as the back says, historian Beth Allison Barr shows that quote unquote biblical womanhood isn't biblical, but arose from a series of clearly definable historical moments. She presents a better way forward for the contemporary church. Um, so if you're, if you're familiar with like the council, I believe, for biblical manhood and womanhood, like Wayne Grudem and John Piper have this organization. They, they wrote a book like in the 90s, um, you know, charting a path forward for what it meant to have this idea of biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, 
What are the roles of a man? What are the roles of a woman? Um, and so this book is sort of a, a critique of that, but also like an evaluation, again, the making of biblical womanhood. Where do these ideas come from? Are they biblical? Are they historical? Uh, what does what does scripture, what does history have to say about these things? Um, you know, I don't agree with every single conclusion that she draws. I don't necessarily agree with everything that she says in this book. I feel like that should, that's just a given for any book you ever read. Like if you're just wholesale agreeing with somebody, when you read them, you're probably not reading them very critically. Um, so don't be afraid to read a book that you might disagree with. Um, but also go into this book, like with a recognition that like, maybe what you've always heard isn't necessarily the way that it is supposed to be. Maybe there are some problems with this idea of biblical womanhood. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my second book, my recommendation for a book to check out. Um, relatively inexpensive. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my second book. Cool. Cool. I like the variety that we're getting. Um, and so the last one I'm going to share is one that I'm like most excited about. I bought it over the summer, but I haven't gotten into it until just uh, this past week or so. Um, but I'm loving it so far. So that is St. Cyril of Alexandria and the Christological Controversy by uh, John McGuckin, which this, uh, my, my understanding is this is kind of a, a, a pretty landmark contribution to, to basically just the scholarship on the Christological controversy of the the um, the fourth and fifth century, um, especially leading up to the Council of Ephesus in 430 or 431, and the Council of Chalcedon in 451, and Seal of Alexandria and Nestorius, and and you know all the the drama that that we've gotten into a little bit on on cer certain episodes. Um, but so this is basically a. Um, historical and theological overview of, of what's going on leading up to the Council of Ephesus. What is Cyril's Christology? What is Nestorius's Christology? What kind of happens after the council, all that kind of stuff. And then um, the back half or so, um, a third to a half, um, are, is, a, is basically a collection of, of translations of primary text from this controversy, letters, that Cyril or Nestorius wrote and, you know, things like that. Um, I, I'm still in, in the first section, um, which he calls the context of the Ephesus crisis, where it's kind of setting the stage, explaining what's going on in the church, in, in the empire, theologically, where the controversy came from, how it developed, how it became a controversy that led to an, an ecumenical council being convened and all this stuff. And, and he gets really into the, um, you know, it, it's, it's readable. It's not like, you know, a thousand page tome detailing every little detail, but it is very um, thorough. So, so there's, there's lots of, there are lots of details that I've never heard before that, that really color the, the context and, and really give sort of a fuller picture of what's going on, the intrigue and the ecclesiastical politics and all the, you know, um, some of the craziness. I mean, there are some like there are some things here that are just like absolutely hysterical in sort of a like a dark kind of way um or or, or just a just a bizarre <laughs> uh way uh for for me um coming from just an utterly different world than you know 
fourth century Greek speaking Byzantines, you know, like obviously things are different, but um, it's just, it's just really, uh, really crazy to, to, to think about some of the things that, that would be, um, or that are really striking when we, when we go back in time to sort of take a look at what was going on. Um, not to say that we're any different <laughs> than them, but to say that we're in a different uh, context. So we get to like, it's, it's so intriguing and unsettling and exciting and a million other things to, to really like dive in to, to the nitty gritty of a big historical event that took place over hundreds and thousands of miles. And I mean, at the end of the day, like hundreds of years, and in some ways it has never really fully resolved itself and gone away. But, um, and, and add on top of that, it's also like my favorite saint, my favorite theological topic, my favorite, you know, era of church history. It's just like, this is a book I've been wanting to read for a long time and I've, I've finally actually started it. So um, that is uh, a very exciting, very exciting book that I, I'd recommend if you're interested in all this stuff. Obviously, if you're not, it's a very thick book full of stuff you're not interested in. So don't read it if you don't want to. But um, SVS Press puts it out. It's it's great. And this is like, I think there, this is basically like an updated version. I don't know if it, you know, the, the old version I've never really seen before, but um, this was like updated in like 2001 or something. Like it's pretty, this is pretty, I think, pretty standard, like the standard version. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's all I have to say on this. Um, but read St. Cyril and read Sweet. about him. Yeah. That is dope, dude. And I, I feel like this is so short. Like we've, we've talked about books. I want to keep talking about books, I'm trying to think of like off the top of my head, if anything comes to mind, like just not even necessarily reviews or anything super serious, but just like books that we've enjoyed. Um, I don't know if anything comes to mind for you. Um, but if not, these have been, you know, several books that we really enjoyed books that you, we think that you should check out. Um, I did want to plug one thing and this literally was like a thought I had mid episode. So if this isn't something we want to do, Lucas, you can tell me now and I'll cut this, but let's, let's do it. Let's okay. See. We'll see what happens. So, all right. So <laughs> if, you, if you've made it this far, if you've heard all of our book recommendations, uh, we want your opinion. So we recently signed up for a zoom subscription, um, so that we can do interviews and do other things. Um, and part of that is a feature that allows us to live stream. Now, this is an idea that Lucas and I have kicked around for a while. And so now that we realize that Zoom would allow us to do it and we don't have to like pay for other things, like we're already paying for Zoom. Um, so basically what we're trying to do is plug the possibility of what would it look like to do a live stream, to have episodes like where we just like shoot the breeze. Uh, maybe you guys come in in the comments or uh, maybe we'll invite special guests to come hang out in the Zoom or whatever. Um, but we just wanted to get your idea. Is that something you'd be into? Would you like want that to be weekly, monthly, some other rotation? Um, so let us know. What do you like? Uh, what do you guys think about the idea of a doxology live stream? Um, I don't know. That's I don't know if you have anything you want to add there. No, I mean basically just like like we're busy stuff. It's hard to fit with schedules and you know. Um, 
that is obviously a very big factor in terms of being able to do things regularly, do things well, all that kind of stuff. But this is an idea that we've been talking about on and off for quite a while at this point, I think. And the, you know, just haven't, you know, we had, we just, we just been kind of letting it sort of simmer and, and develop as we've been thinking about it. And I think that, um, if it's, if it's something that people want to see, we can make it happen in some form, right? Maybe it's not as regular or as frequent, but, but, um, we would really appreciate, like we always say, we'd really, really appreciate your feedback and we mean it. And this is something very specific to ask, what is your, what are your thoughts? What are your, would you be interested? All that kind of stuff. Because obviously there's no point in live streaming to nobody because we could just record an episode instead. <laughs> um, but if people are going to come hang out, ask questions, chat, um, that's kind of, that would be one of the coolest things I could think of. I mean, that, that, to me just kind of fits with where with my highest hopes I had when we started this podcast to to have some sort of interaction with people in in a community you know quote unquote community you know an online community setting um where we're we're connecting and connected over the what we'd say in our intro or just theology and the Christian life and 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 being able to have these these conversations and and uh it'd be super cool to be able to expand it even if it's not every day or every week to be able to expand it to more than just the two of us or the occasional guest, right? Um, and especially if those people we're expanding the conversation to include are people who have um, tuned in to our podcast and um, listened to us have these conversations, like we don't want to just have them alone, you know? So um, huge thanks for, for all of the support that would even make this something we'd think about in terms of are you interested and in, that we even have people to ask and especially huge, you know, uh, thanks, uh, shout out to ev everybody listening and who has listened and perfect time to, to, to remind everybody that we want your involvement because of all the involvement that we've gotten, including, which I didn't even notice until the post that went up, which was that over this past weekend, um, so this comes out on Tuesday, over this, this, the past weekend before this episode came out, we crossed 20,000 all-time downloads. It's crazy. Which is pretty <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so a huge thank you um, to everyone who has listened to one episode or 100 or I don't know how many. 170 so, or something like that. We, I think we're up to almost know, that. 100 plus, <laughs> whatever. Um, and for everyone who's, you know, liked our tweets, retweeted, entered a giveaway, um, interacted with us, sent us DMs and emails, like a huge, huge, huge thank you. And, um, you know, the more we grow, the more space we'll have and, and more um, people will be able to get involved to do things like live streams and stuff, which is what we want, not because we're interested in having a big platform because we're special or think we're, well, or think we're special, but because we want to be able to interact with people. Right. And, and the reason, you know, we've, we've, <laughs> the reason we've been doing this for 170 episodes is because the stuff we talk about is awesome. <laughs> and it's fun to talk about this stuff with as many people who are interested, um, whether that's over, uh, you know, um, over the internet or in person or somewhere in between with zoom, you know? And so once again, huge thanks 
once again, we, we implore you to share your feedback and your thoughts. And um, on that note, I mean, there's really nothing else to say other than just a reminder that you can share this feedback and, and your thoughts with us on Twitter or Instagram at Doxology Podcast or by email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Um, we really look forward to hearing from you and we really look, really look forward, my goodness, I can't speak. We really look forward to quote unquote seeing you in the next episode. So until then, peace. Peace.